We are in uh, a series called Seasons of Life, and we've talked about all kinds of seasons. We've talked about a season of loneliness. We've talked about a season of self-doubt. We've talked about a season of temptation. And I I got to thinking, you know, wouldn't it be great if we could talk about a season of joy and happiness, (laughs) you know? But I thought if we did that, there would just be one point, really, and that's don't forget God. <laughs> because we, we tend to sail through those seasons, don't we? That, that really doesn't require any effort on our part. We just kind of sail through a season of joy and season of, of happiness. But we can very easily forget God sometimes because we're, we're so joyful. So that, that would be the point. You know, don't forget God. Don't forget where you came from. Um, but typically, it's in the seasons where we're struggling that we really need to help. It's in the seasons where things don't go right. Things uh, are kind of the opposite of joy and the opposite of what seems to our emotions anyway, like happiness. And so that's kind of the the topics that we're kind of hitting. And today we're going to talk about a season of grief. And I thought it was interesting that we're celebrating 10 years um, as a campus this week, and then we're going to talk about a season of grief. So I want you to understand that there are two different things. Um, We're super pumped about 10 years, Um, but today we're going to talk about a season of grief. And the fact is, is that we all go through life and we all have seasons um, and times in our life where we're grieving. Now, I'm not talking about the times in life where you leave on Sunday and you forgot that Chick-fil-A wasn't open, you know, and you go through and you just, you just, that's that sadness that just hits you, that gut punch. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the things in your life where the foundations of what you've built your life on crumble. I was at a construction site the other day and I was watching as, as the, the foundation was built. And it was amazing to me the massive amounts of concrete and rebar and all this stuff that went into the foundation. And because it was the, the, the foundation upon which the rest of the entire building uh, would be built. And they always build that foundation first. Have you ever seen somebody build a third story first? Okay, if you did, you were dreaming. It wasn't real, okay? But the, the foundation always goes first. Everything else is built upon the foundation. We tracking so far? All right. So we do the same thing in our lives. We have things in our lives that we build our lives on, whether it's a spouse or some other relationship. There are things in our life that we never dream will change, and we don't expect them to. We just assume that this is going to be here forever. It could be a job that you have, you know? Uh, It could be a certain income that you have that you kind of build your life around. It could be a family member. I mean, we never dream that family members will change, or we never dream that family members, the ones we build our lives around, won't be here. Um, and, And just like the building, when the foundation we build our lives on is suddenly gone, our lives come crashing down. Now, I'm not talking about the little nuances of change in our lives because, you know, buildings can be remodeled, can't they? The, the walls can be painted. Sometimes they even move walls around. Um, they can be remodeled. They can be renovated. And, and our lives get adjusted like this. Sometimes new babies come into our lives, and that just really changes things up. Sometimes we move. Uh, seasons of life kind of tend to change. But that, that's all within the scope of what feels like normal life. And we tend to be able to deal with that uh, pretty well. Uh, but when, when the foundations of your life give way. When the relationship or the marriage that you thought would never end, ends. When the child walks away from the family. When we lose somebody that we didn't expect to lose. It was unexpected, it was untimely, it was a very physical thing, it was a death, and and our whole lives just come crashing down, and we find ourselves in these moments in life sitting in the rubble of what used to look like a decent life. 
and without a say-so, and sometimes without even warning, we're thrust into a season of grief. And the thing about it is, is we can't do anything about it. Now, a room this size and this many people, I just got to know that there are some people that are facing a season of grief right now. And if you're not facing a season of grief, I know that you have faced a season of grief. And if you haven't done any of that, I know in this life, as long as it's earth and as long as we're human, we are going to face it at some point. A season of grief, a time in life when the things that we build our lives around, the things that we think will never change, they change and they crumble underneath us. And we begin to realize quickly in these seasons that nothing around us is permanent. Our job isn't permanent. Our relationships aren't permanent. Our health It's not permanent. And I'd like to say every marriage was. But you know what? As long as we live in a sin-cursed world, and as long as God is true when he says that he'll never take away your free will, the fact is is that some marriages end. Things that seem like they should always be there. The very things that we build our lives around, sometimes we realize they're they're not permanent. You with me so far? Here's a few truths that I've learned. Um... And as Christians, sometimes especially, we really have a hard time with this. But here's a few truths. We, we don't always get what we deserve. We don't. There's a myth that we kind of all gravitate towards very naturally, and that's bad things happen because we're bad and good things happen because we're good. As long as I do good, as long as I try, then good things are going to happen to me. But Ecclesiastes speaks different. Uh, in the Bible, chapter 8, verse 14 says, Sometimes something useless happens on earth. Bad things happen to good people, and good things happen to bad people. Here's the fact. Bad stuff happens because we live in a sin-cursed world. We do. This, this world has pain. It has sorrow. It has grief. And, and it's just the facts. And here, here's what you need to know this. God is not the author of it. He's not the author of pain. He's not the author of grief. Satan brought about sin into this world at the very beginning when he deceived Adam and Eve for the very first time. And the book of Romans says that this sin nature through that one person, man, mankind, came into the rest of us. And so now we all have to deal with it as well. You know, we, we can make choices sometimes, and it brings consequences. Uh, but sometimes other people make choices. And then we have to be affected by that, and we have to bear some of those consequences. In this life, we don't always get what we deserve. I thank God that this life isn't the last stop. I thank God that this this isn't the end, that we do have a sin-cursed world, and we do have pain, and we do have grief, but we have a God, specifically Jesus Christ, who paid a big price so that when we leave here, this stop isn't the end. Amen? Let me tell you something, another truth that I've learned. Everything that happens is not God's will. God allows certain things, but everything that happens is not God's will. Some of the pain that we face in life is not God's will. It's not God's will that, that kids shoot each other. It's not God's will, you know, that, that marriages split up or that kids do drugs. He's grieving over these things just as much as we are. But the other truth that I've learned is that while everything's not his will, he is in control. God is sovereign over it. And maybe you're, you're struggling with that. How is, how is God in control? Because he, here's where we get hung up and we ask ourselves these questions. If God was really in control, then how could he allow that? Has anybody ever asked that? And you're there, and you kind of hinge on your faith a little bit, and it kind of it kind of makes you wonder. Okay, well, if this is happened, what else am I, you know, sub- subject to? 
If God is really in control, then how could he allow that? Or if he was really there, then how could, and then we list this million and one things that maybe we thought could have, could have been better. Or we, well, why couldn't he have done, and then we list that, that thing that we thought, well, if that just would have happened, then, then I maybe would believe there's a God. And, and we, we struggle with that, and we get hung up. We just can't imagine why he would allow some of the things that, he's, that he allows. And, and there's just no comforting words for it. There's no, nothing that anybody can say or nothing that anybody can do to make it make sense for us. We, we just we can't get it. But you can choose to believe that he's sovereign. You can choose to believe that he's in control. And listen to me. You can choose to believe that he can take the pain in your life. And at some point, you're going to be able to see and feel goodness out of it. He can that he can use pain and your grief for your good if you're going to choose him and if you're going to grow in the season of grief. And that's, that's hard for some of us to swallow. It's hard for some of us to hear. But here's, here's the fact. You can either grow through the season of grief or you can shrink back and become bitter and miserable. Growing equals trusting in him despite how you feel. You get the feelings and they're just emotions and they come and go, Right? Uh, I've heard somebody say one time, you can get a feeling from a bad pizza, <laughs> right? So don't, don't put all your feelings and your emotions and kind of put that to something eternal. Trust equals growth, and you can do that. God wants you to grow through grief. And I want to talk of a few ways today about how we can do our part as we go through a season of grief. And the first thing I want to say is you got to release your grief. If you're going through a season of grief or you're getting ready to go through one, remember this, you have to release your grief. Matthew chapter 5, verse 4 says this, Blessed are they that mourn. Say blessed. That, that word really doesn't go with mourning, does it? But Jesus said himself, blessed are they that mourn because they're the ones that are going to be comforted. He, he really says right off the bat, it is okay for you to mourn. It's okay for you to grieve. In fact, it's needed. And he said, when you do, you're going to be blessed. He promises comfort. But this, as human beings, this is what we do. We run away from pain. We run away from grief. We typically do one of two things. We try to either stuff it down and try to act like it's not there. Or we try to believe in God. And to do that sometimes means that we believe that God's going to take the pain away. So we either try to stuff it down and pretend it's not there. Or we try to put all our, our what we call hope in God and just think that God's going to take it away. But both are wrong. You have to release grief. You have to process through it. Here's a misconception about God and grief. And that's if I invite God into my life, then the pain goes away. I've heard pe people say, man, when I got saved, I was better off you know, living in the world, the stuff that I had to go through when I got saved. Let me tell you something. Grief's a part of life, whether you invite God into it or not. It's a whole lot better because you have hope when God's in the picture. Here's another misconception. If I trust God, I don't have to feel the pain. Somehow he just he magically takes the pain away from me. Or, or we say, you know what, if God leads my life, then I'm going to have an understanding of why things had to happen the way they did. I'm, it's like this magical potion that we think we have that we dump on ourselves <laughs> whenever God comes into the picture. And we think somehow we're just going to be, you know, uh, we're going to be omitted from having to go through grief. I was at my cousin's funeral two weeks ago. A lady in our church, Miss Angie, she lost her son. I was spoke at a funeral last Friday. You know what, there's no words that somebody can say to make that go away. All these families are Christians. You can't say anything to make that go away. What could somebody say to make the pain go away? What could somebody say to you or what could someone do to you? What could God say to you to make you go, oh, okay, now I get it? 
Some of the grief that we face in life, we just, we can't understand it. It grips us to the core. Our foundation goes away, and we, we feel like we're falling. What could somebody say? What could God say? Give me the human words that he could say to you to make you go, okay, that makes sense. The words don't exist. So to wait for the pain to go away or to stuff it down, waiting for it to make sense, it's not only going to be worse for you, but it's going to lead to unmet expectations, and you're going to end up being bitter. God doesn't promise to take the pain away. But here's a third option. If we choose to hurt in front of God, not to run to a bottle, not to bury ourselves in doubt or pity, or not to pretend like everything is fine, not to wait for some magical day when the pain goes away, but if we say, you know what, I am going to hurt, I am going to face this pain, because again, you're wired to run away from it, so it's not going to be what you typically want to do. I'm going to hurt in front of God. I'm going to choose to be real. I'm going to choose to be courageous because it's going to take courage. And I'm going to face the hurt. And I'm going to spend enough time in it with all the other things, the noise in my life, all the other things that I want to run to to try to fill that void. I'm going to ignore those things, and I'm going to hurt. I'm going to hurt in front of God. I'm going to invite him into the picture and let it out and do it day after day if that's what it takes. And do it in front of God. And here's what's going to end up happening. He's going to come alongside of you, and he's going to come alongside of that hurt. Not take it away. He's going to come alongside of it, and he's going to give you hope. And as you begin to process it day after day, trusting in that at a certain point, you're going to find yourself healing. He, don't, he doesn't promise to take the pain away. And for those of you who have gone through the grief that I'm talking about, you, you wake up in the morning and, and sometimes you forget for about five seconds that the thing that's happening in your life is happening. You forget that that person isn't there. You forget that the one who you never thought would leave is gone. You forget about the pain for about five seconds, and then you open your eyes in the morning, and all of a sudden you remember, and the pain, it, it comes back into your body, and it is a physical weight to it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Or you, you find yourself on the living room floor face down, and you can't move, and it feels like you're holding a submarine. The, the weight of it, it has a physical weight, and sometimes you get to the place where you're spiraling, and you just say, I can't live like this. And oh, does Satan love to capitalize on that? But this is what I've learned about grief in my own experience. When you're in those moments, if you say, God, I don't want you to be far off. I want you to be right there with me. And if I have to hurt, I want to hurt in front of you. That, that's the only place that you're going to get perspective. That's the only place that God's going to bring comfort into your life is when you actually let him in. It doesn't promise to take all the pain away. He doesn't promise to give you this big understanding right then and there. But what he promises to do is come alongside of you and hold your hand. And he will hold you. And at a certain point, you will find yourself healing. You will find yourself being comforted. But you have to feel the pain in order to grieve, and you have to grieve in order to release it. You have to release your grief. I know this is heavy, but you, I wanted to spend some time on that one because it, we all face it. But yet we all think that just because we serve God that he's just going to magically do away with it, and that is not the case. You have to grieve as a human being when the foundations of your life give way. But listen, the Bible makes some good promises as we do that. Psalm chapter 62, verse 8 says this, Trust in him, who? Trust in God at all times. O people, pour out your hearts to him. Hurt in front of him, for God is our refuge. Psalm 34, verse 18 says, The Lord is close. Say close. Say it louder. Close. He's not far off. He's not arm's distance away. You don't have to call him up on the phone. He is close to the brokenhearted. 
He's right there with you when no one else is, when you think that no one else is around, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Release the grief that you have. Make sense? Number two, receive from others. Receive from others. Whenever you're in a season of grief, you have to receive from other people. And when we're going through grief, hard times, we naturally draw away from people. We don't, we don't really want to talk to anybody. But the Bible says this in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. It says, carry each other's burdens. Listen to what it says. By helping each other with your troubles, you truly obey the law of Christ. So we're actually obeying what Jesus said to do as the church when we carry one another's burdens. But sometimes when we're in grief, we, we don't want anyone to do anything for us. We just want everybody to go away. And can I just shine some Can I be real? I love being real. Sometimes as Christians, we just say the wrong stuff. We just don't want anybody around while we're grieving, especially our church family, because they say things that don't help. <laughs> like, I already know God has a plan, and right now his plan hurts. That doesn't comfort me. It doesn't help me. It feels horrible. And right now it doesn't help me when you say that. And we laugh about it because we know it's true, don't we? Don't tell me God is not going to put more on me than I can bear, because right now I don't feel like I can bear this. I'm so heavy right now, and I feel as if I'm going to fall. So unless you can take the pain away from me or unless you can restore what was lost, please don't tell me that God won't put any more on me than I can bear because right now that doesn't, doesn't help me. I already know that the one that I lost is in a better place. I get it. I know that. But right now I'm not with them. I'm not there, and they're not here. And, and I feel like I could die right now in this hurt, so that doesn't help me right now. True? And, and this is what I've realized, that there are going to be people that say these things, and they mean well. They just don't know what else to say. And they don't realize that you don't have to say anything right now. You don't have to say anything right now. Do you know why it's not always helpful when people say these things whenever you're hurting? Because we all know those words are true. We all know that, that those are the things that, that bring life. We all know that they're God, it's God's word, and we all know that it's, it's true. We're not denying the fact that it's true. It just doesn't feel good. But the fact is, is that those words speak to our spirits, not our flesh. You understand that Galatians in the Bible says that you have a flesh nature, which is the part of us that just desires self and wants to disobey God, and we all experience that. It's the part that comes so natural. And we have a spiritual nature about us. And that's the part that God speaks to. That's the part that the words of the Bible and the gospel message, it brings life to. Your spiritual self is the part that God died for. Your spirit is the thing that's going to live forever. Do you know that, that funeral homes are kicking and they're alive and they're well? Why? Because guess what? People are dying. Physical deaths. We're, we're, our flesh dies. Our spirit lives. Our spirit's going to heaven. Our flesh isn't. You with me? And so the Bible, that word that we want to speak, they're in a better place. God has a plan. All that, it, it goes into our spirits. But sometimes we try to speak into somebody's spirit when they need to grieve in the flesh. It's part of the process. And there are times where in the life of a Christian and in their grief, man, their spirits come alive and they hold on to those words. And it's what, it's what gives them hope. But Christians especially, sometimes we just, all we want to do is just speak the Bible, speak the Bible, speak the Bible. When, when, when someone just needs a hug, when someone just needs their, their lawn mowed without you having to say anything, just go mow their grass. Just bring them a meal. Just watch their kids. 
Just do some things in the natural that help them out so that they don't have to think about that while they're grieving. Because while those words from the scripture is true, part of the process, and God made us so well, part of that process is grieving in the flesh. And sometimes we just got to let people grieve in the flesh. Now, if you're grieving, that doesn't mean you can't or don't need to receive from other people. You need support. You, you need people to come alongside of you because that verse said to carry each other's burdens. So that means you can't carry it alone if you're grieving. You can't do it. And if you know anything about deep sorrow and pain, you know that you need help. You may not want it. You may not feel it all the time. But you need help because you can't do it yourself. You need support. Secondly, you need perspective. You need someone to come alongside of you and give you godly perspective because when you're in this kind of pain, again, I'm not talking about the Chick-fil-A pain or I'm not talking about you stubbed your toe and you're having a bad day. I'm talking the foundations of your life have been rocked and moved and your life has fallen apart. You, when you're in that kind of pain and that kind of sorrow, we, we lose sight of the big picture and we can literally think our lives are over. We can literally feel like that we, we can't go on. You think about doing things when you're in that kind of pain that you would never imagine doing otherwise. You have this skewed perception of reality whenever you're grieving, and we need godly people who we trust to come alongside and remind us of the reality that we can so easily miss whenever we're grieving. Notice how I said godly people. Because guess what? There are people that are a part of, of, of your life that maybe they don't believe in, in God, and, they, and that's the only place you're going to find hope, right? And they have an opinion too, buddy. But guess what? They'll, they'll give it to you and go home. They don't have to deal with your grief. But you have to deal with the opinions of others that when you actually follow through with that, guess who has to face the consequences of that, good or bad? You. Bring godly people into your life who know the Scriptures, who will pray who you trust. Hebrews chapter 12 the first part of verse 15 says, look after, what's the next two words? Each other. Look after each other so that not one of you will fail to find God's best blessings. God has the best blessings in mind for you. And if you're grieving today, you need to know that this isn't the end. That this is a season you're going through. And if you'll decide to grow through this, if you'll decide to latch on to some of these things we're saying today, then God has his best blessings in mind for you. He doesn't have to work them up or fix them up. He's already got them in place. And as you grow, you're going to grow right into those things. We need God's promises, and we need God's people. Number three, when you're in a season of grief, refuse, refuse, refuse to be bitter. Refuse to be bitter. Job 21, verse 25 says, Some people have no happiness at all, and they live and they die with bitter hearts. You know you know what leads to bitterness? You know why we become bitter? It's because we, we, we're asking the questions that nobody can answer in our grief. Why did this happen? Why can't I get some relief? And so what happens is we have unmet expectations, and as that begins to happen, we, just, we become angry inside. I'm angry at what happened. Anger is not a bad thing. Process through it, but don't sit on it. I can remember... In a season of grief, my, my world was rocked, and I, was, I spent the time on my living room floor like I'm describing to you today, just face down. And, and I remember going through about two years of it, and I, I remember uh, specifically during a, a, a kind of a, a sub-season of that, I remember about a month or two where I was just angry. I wasn't growing. I wasn't doing nothing. I was just angry. And I remember riding home one night, um, 
And I remember the Holy Spirit speaking to me so clearly. Because I was just waiting. I was waiting for a day that it would get better. I told God, I'm just going to sit here and wait on you because I don't feel like anything's happening. And that anger was building in me as I sat there and decided not to grow. And I remember God telling me, you know, five years from now, it's going to be just like this, except for worse. I could feel myself getting bitter and angry because I was asking the questions why, and I was just waiting for an answer that wasn't coming. And I was, I was waiting for some magical day when it would get better, but that day wasn't coming. And I was getting angry, and I was getting bitter, and all it was was just unmet expectation. I was expecting God to take my pain away, and he wanted me to process through it. And because I was getting angry, because I, I, was, I was, had unmet expectation, questions with no answers, I was becoming bitter. And God told me, he said, five years from now, you're going to be just like this, except for worse. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine being like that. Here's the fact. When you're in pain, you don't feel like getting better. You feel like laying down and sitting there and waiting. I, I'm just going to wait on you. you. All you want to do is stop hurting. And the easiest thing to do when you're in grief is to lay down, wall yourself in, and wait for a brighter day. But if you, if you know anything about it, the brighter day never comes. It doesn't. What's done is done. The pain you feel, whenever it happened, it's, it happened. It's done. And in your, your life is in shambles. And that's what's causing the grief. And it's not going to rebuild itself by itself. And if you're waiting for the pain to go away and you do nothing to put your hope in God, then three days from now and five years from now, you're still going to be waiting. And you're going to be an angry, bitter person. Listen to me. Time does not heal. And that, that's the biggest misconception that we have. Time does not heal it's only an aid. It's an aid, but it's not a healer. And that's why you see people who have, who have had their worlds rocked, and they, they, they go through this time frame of five and ten years, and they talk about the pain, and when they do, the emotions come up just like it happened yesterday. If time were a healer, then you'd be healed by now. Two seconds just went by. Three more just went by. I mean, for crying out loud, I'm 26 minutes into this message. Do you feel any better? I hope the message maybe is helping you, but if you, <laughs> but if you came in with some grief today, if time were a healer, for crying out loud, half an hour would have done it. Time is not a healer, but it is an aid. And if you're waiting for enough time to go by to heal your hurt, then you're on a path to bitterness and unmet expectation. Time is not a healer, but it's, it is an aid. And if you invite God into your hurt, time will aid the process as God brings about the healing in your life. That's, that's what happens. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, it challenges us. It says, watch out that no bitterness takes root among you. Because as it springs up, it's going to cause deep, deep trouble. Watch out. It says, you've got to be aware of this. We've got to accept what can't be changed and focus on what's left, not what we lost. Focus on what we have around us. Be thankful. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 says that no matter what happens, always find yourself being thankful. I love how it says no matter what happens, that covers it all. Good times, bad times, ugly times, times of grief. Always try to find yourself being thankful because this is God's will for you who belong in Christ Jesus. You have to refuse to be bitter. Number four, this is the last one, rely on Christ. I love what Paul said to the Philippian church. In the New Testament, he's writing a letter to the Philippian church, and we glean so much from this. Chapter 4, verse 13. Understand, Paul was a guy who hurt. 
He was a guy who had been through the good, the bad, and the ugly. He said, I know what it's like to be in pain. I know what it's like to have joy. I know what it's like to be happy. I know what it's like to be clothed. And he said, I know what it's like to be naked. I know what it's like to be hungry, and I know what it's like to be well-fed. He said, in all this, listen, I have learned the secret. Say secret. I've learned the secret to be content in every situation that I'm in. This is the conclusion that he comes to. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, why is that such a secret? Wouldn't we say we kind of know that? Jesus can help me with anything. I can do all things. But when you're grieving, you don't see that. Because if he could, then why am I still hurting like this? Why do I feel like I'm not getting through it? I love how Paul said, I've learned the secret. That means not many people will come to realize it. Whenever you look to the original language of, of this uh, specific passage, you know that the Bible wasn't written in English, right? Okay. I mean, I'm, some people don't know that, and that's fine. It wasn't written in English. It was in ancient uh, Middle East. It was written uh, in Hebrew and in Greek. And the, the word secret there has a connotation in the original language of shutting the mouth and listening. Do you know what it takes to learn a secret? It's to shut up and listen. You can't learn a secret if you're talking, right? But when we're in deep pain... We get to the place where all we want to do is talk about it. All we want to do is, I mean, all we want to do is beg God to make it go away. All we want to do is vent to our friends. All we want to do is cry about how bad we hurt. And that's some of the process. But if we will never quiet ourselves down to hear what God is trying to say, then how are we going to glean the secret that Paul talks about? Here's the fact. God wants to speak to you, but he doesn't want to interrupt you. And at some point in the process, we got to get alone. we got to get quiet. And we got to get alone with God and listen to what he would have to say. And all it takes is letting him know that you're there and that you want to listen. Bill Hybel says every morning I have chair time. He's <laughs> 15 minutes in his chair reading the word of God. And he has a pen and a paper. 15 minutes. But that's the time that he says God has my undivided attention. And he listens. Could you benefit from something like that in your life? Especially when you're hurting. What might God want to say to you? Because when you get quiet in front of God and you, even though you're hurting, so that's the thing, he doesn't take the hurt away necessarily, but he comes alongside you and he wants to speak to you. He wants to tell you. He wants to remind you once again in your spirit, not your flesh. That's the part that's hurting and you, you don't know how you're going to do it. The, the spirit is what God speaks to and it comes alive and he says, I'm here for you and I am going to get you through this. And you find yourself saying, I don't know how. It doesn't make sense because of the hurt I'm feeling, but I know I'm going to get through this. Because God is with me, and through him I can do all things. And as you do this, you're going to gain stability. Because that's the, what we need when we're going through a season of grief, and we feel like everything in our lives is in shambles. We need something that, that's stable. Psalm 125 verse 1 says that those who trust in the Lord are as steady as Mount Zion, unmoved by any circumstances. I love Psalm 112 verses 6 and 7. It says that kind of person is not going to be overthrown by evil circumstances. He doesn't fear bad news. He doesn't live in dread of what may happen because he's settled in his mind that God is going to take care of him. You gain stability. You also gain direction. You ever heard of the scripture in Psalm 119 that says, God, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path? Remember that? Have you ever been walking through the woods with a flashlight or a lantern at nighttime and you can't really see everything, but you can see you know, several steps in front of you? And he says, that's, that's what your word is to me. 
If we trust in God, if we stay and listen to him, I may not see the whole picture. I may not see the end. I may not see how all this is going to work out when I'm going through grief. But Lord, you promised to give me my next step. You promised to give me direction. I may not know what's at the end of this thing, but I know I'm headed in the right direction because your, your word told me. Because I got quiet enough to listen. I, I learned the secret of what it is to be content. And I don't have a clue. There's more questions than there are answers at this point because my heart is so heavy. But I know that I'm facing the right direction. Now, the next step may change. God may, may take me in a different route, but I, I know I have direction. You may not be able to tell your right from your left, but God is not going to let you go to your next step without giving you direction. If you'll trust him, if you'll invite him into the mix. Here's what I've realized about people in this life, because sometimes that tends to be the thing that gives us the most grief in some form or fashion, but people will fail you. They will. They'll fail you. The people that you thought would never fail you leave. The people that you thought were always going to be, you know, that, that little boy or that little girl, they grow up and they do things that just make you cringe, and they do things and they walk out. And the very things that you built your life around sometimes ends up somebody failing you. But one thing I know is that God will never fail. You can trust him. You can rely on him. When you hit the bottom in your life and then the bottom gives way, Jesus is still there. And he's with you right now. He'll never fail you. You can rely on him. My, my youngest son, I'm closing with this. He's, my youngest son is seven. His name's Alex, and he's my buddy. And he, uh, I have four kids. My oldest one's like 14. He's got a deep voice and something that resembles a mustache, you know. <laughs> Handsome young fella, but my youngest one's seven. He's still got his two front teeth kind of growing in, and they're a little bit too big because his head's not quite that big yet, but, you know. <laughs> I love that little guy. And one day he hit his leg, and I mean he hit it so hard and messed it up bad. And all I could hear upstairs was this big, sounded like a, a train fell on the floor. And they're all up there. And, and <laughs> it was one of those moments where it hurt so bad when he came crying, he couldn't even say anything. He was just, all he could get out was daddy. That was it. And he was crying so hard. And of course, I ran to him and I immediately picked him up as his dad. You know what I'm talking about, parents, grandparents? You, they're hurting and they don't, they can't even, and you just run to them and you pick them up. And, and do you know that as, as God all he, when you're hurting, he wants to run and pick you up. And you may wonder, how is, he's wired to do that. That's who he is. How can he do it? Well, let me tell you, God does have ways of holding you and comforting you. And I picked up my son, and what I realized is what every parent realizes is that no matter how tight I held him or how many words of comfort I said, I couldn't take his pain away. I couldn't take the pain away in the leg. He just had to deal with it. But I held him. That's what I wanted to do. I, I held him close, and I spoke to him. I said, buddy, it's going to be okay, and I, I love you. And I just rubbed his back, and he's sitting there crying, and he hurt so bad. But for him, there's no other place that he wanted to be than in my arms at that moment. No other place. It's like his default. I mean, he knows me and his mom. He knows that we're not going to magically take the pain away. But that's where he feels the most comfort is in our arms. And that comfort supersedes the physical pain that he's feeling. And until the pain passes, he feels comfort in the arms of a parent. And when we hurt the most, and when life takes us to that place that we never thought we'd be, and when the hurt makes us feel things that we never thought we'd have to feel, I'm telling you, you can find comfort in the arms of God. 
even if the pain is still present. Now, for my son, the pain in his leg went away after a few minutes. And all of a sudden, through the tears, you know, I, I kind of pulled him back a little bit to look at his face. And he still kind of has those tears. But I could tell the pain was subsiding. And we say things to our kids. I do anyway. And I'm, I'm like, all right, whatever you do, buddy, don't laugh, you know. <laughs> of course, it makes him laugh every time. And you can't say it too soon or, or you're just a bad parent if you say, you know. But if, if you wait to that right time, you know, the pain's kind of gone, and they're, they're kind of got the tears on their face, but they're okay. And I was like, okay, and all of a sudden, a smile comes on his face, and, and, and he's like re- ready to go again. Um, we had to bandage his leg up. That took some time to heal. It didn't heal right away, but it did eventually. Um, and now there's a scar there. I mean, he doesn't really think about that scar a whole lot, but it's there. Um, I don't know when. I don't know how, necessarily, how God does things. He's, who can describe how he whispers to us or how he heals us? He just, he just is awesome in the way that he does it. I, I don't know when, but if you stay in the arms of God, at some point, that gut-wrenching pain that you feel, that, that hurt that just doesn't seem to go away, at some point, that's going to subside. It will. You're not going to feel it anymore. You may have tears in your eyes one day and just realize that, you know what, God's got me, and I'm going to be okay. And that gut-wrenching feeling, the pain, the initial shock of it, it's, it's going to subside. And you're going to have a hurt there. I mean, just like my son still had that gash in his leg, after the, the pain kind of, the initial pain went away, you still have a hurt there that's got to be looked after. It's got to be taken care of. I mean, what if, what if I just sat my son down and was like, all right, don't worry about the blood, just go, <laughs> you know? Go in the backyard, roll around in the dirt, get it all dirty, we don't care. Gets infected, it gets ugly, leads to, to a lot of worse things. And that's what we do sometimes when the initial pain goes away. We bury ourselves and try to forget the hurt. You still have a hurt there. And that takes time. It takes care. It takes coming to God with it every day. It takes, it takes sacrificing yourself to God. But you're going to be able to smile again, and you'll be able to get back to something that resembles normal. But that hurt's going to take time to heal. And if you ignore it, and if you, if you don't care for it, then you get to a really dark, bad place. But if you'll care for that hurt, if you'll not ignore it, if you'll address it, agree to yourself, be bold and say, I'm hurt, and i got to get through this. You're not going to forget your loss. I mean, how can you forget it? You've got a hole in your heart. But it's not going to feel like it did. That thing will eventually heal. And you'll have a scar there, and you'll have it forever. You'll always remember it, but I can promise you it's not going to feel like it does today. It won't. And believe it or not, this is the way God does, and only a way that he can. Eventually, God's going to take that hurt and that pain that you had and that you've gotten through it, and only a way that he can do And he will use it to reach somebody else that's going through the same thing. It may not feel like it today. It may not feel like it three days from now. But God will use it. And that's why the Bible says that he takes what the enemy meant for evil and he turns it for our good. Can we pray together? Come on, let's just engage God for a minute. Lord, I I know there's hurt in this room. Lord, sometimes when we come into a building like this together, we, we put on... A church face, and I mean, nobody wants to just air our dirty laundry out, and we don't expect that. But Lord, I know there's hurt in here. Some of the details we, we might give, some we don't. God, but you know every heart, and you know every 
every hurt, you know every pain, you know the depth of it. Lord, not only that, but you know down to the second how long some of us have been dealing with the pain. You're aware of it. And Lord, I just pray right now that, that you would let us just know, have a wisdom right now, Holy Spirit, that we can come to you with that pain and that you and only a way that you can are going to walk us through. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Lord, we, we, we can't do it ourselves. If we could, we would have already. God, we need you. And as you see that place in our heart that desires you today, God, I, I pray that you take up residence there and begin to show us the way out. In Jesus' name. God, take, take our pain and, and use it for our good. Beauty from ashes. Lord, I, I don't know how you do that. It even sounds cliche sometimes. God, but it's true. You, you are, in the, are in the business of taking things that are broken and not necessarily restoring them like from the old, but you make it better than new. And I just feel like that's a word for some of us in here today. You're not trying to put us back together. You're trying to take what is in shambles, and you want to make it better than new. That's what you have in store for us. And I pray that as we get up day after day and deal with the pain that we, that we face in a season of grief, Lord, that you would come in and remind us of these truths. Be to us what we can't be to ourselves. Be to us what no person can be. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.